Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh HaYeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. This week, we're looking at Shuvot relating to the letter J for Jewish identity, specifically external markers of Jewish identity, such as names and clothing. And in this episode, we're looking at the issue of a kippah, of a man's wearing of a kippah, how obligated it is, and are there circumstances in which a man need not or maybe even should not wear a kippah. Now, we start with the tshuva, which is the very first tshuva in the very first volume, the very first printed tshuva of Rav Moshe Feinstein in Igris Moshe Orachaim 1.1. The reason it is the first is not because it's the most important, but just because the issue of wearing a kippah comes up relatively early in Shulchan Aruch, in Orachaim. And the topic is, it's written in 1956, and the topic is bracha, regarding covering the head when it comes to walking in the street and making a bracha. And the questioner asks as follows, or Rav Moshe repeating back the question, You're covering only part of the head, um, or like with a kippah, not wearing a hat. Are you allowed to go in the street without wearing a hat? You, the questioner, have seen that many people go in the street, even the Yirei Hashem, again, even those of the Yeshivish community, not just modern Orthodox, go in the street, not wearing a hat, wearing just a kippah. So what should the problem be? That Roshlomo Kluger has a very strict position that to sit down, one cannot even not walk, just even one can't even sit without wearing some form of a kippah, and to actually go out in the street, uh, some type of a head covering that covers only part of the head is not sufficient. To go out, one needs to actually wear a full he- head covering. And you want to know what my opinion is. So Rav Moshe spends many pages, many paragraphs, basically saying that this position of Rav Shlomo Kluger is very, very hard to understand, goes against everything we know in the Gemara, because in the Gemara, the whole issue of wearing a kippah is only seen as a midat chasidut, as a type of an act of piety. It's not even strictly obligated. Um, the Gemara doesn't make a distinction between a partial head covering and a full head covering. The only emphasis in the Gemara is for Amot. Um, and so all of these distinctions really have very little basis in the Gemara. And Rav Moshe tries to find a way to explain what Rav Shlomo Kluger might be based on. We're not going to focus on that because we're really here to look at the question of what is the level of obligation that Rav Moshe understands in general relating to head covering. And here he said, and here he says as following: I'm skipping to the middle of the tshuva. First of all, it's very hard to understand how Shlomo Kluger says this. It goes against all the simple evidence. And then he says that um, okay, let's put Shlomo Kluger aside. Let's put Rav Shlomo Kluger aside. Fine, if you want to be concerned with his position, you'll cover the majority of your head. But you should know, there's no reason to be concerned with this opinion. It's only one person's opinion. And now it gets interesting because now he starts to address what the level of obligation of head covering is. Maybe there's a position, but we should be machmir for it. So if Moshe says, okay, but the whole practice is not even a real halacha. That it's rak bi chasidut. That the only issue here is a 
prohibition of wearing of not going with your head uncovered is a prohibition that sprang from something that in the Gemara is just about an act of piety. Now, Rav Moshe doesn't leave it as a simple act of piety. That would mean, you know, anybody could choose to do it or to not do it. He says, It's true. Because we have adopted it as such a strong practice, it has transitioned from being a simple act of piety to be a type of a prohibition. So Rav Moshe says, fine, consider it a type of an isur that comes from a minhag, from a religious practice, but at the end of the day, um, if it's all ultimately a minhag based on a midat chasidut, there's no need to be extra stringent about this, and no need to worry about the position of Rav Shlomo Kluger. Now, Rav Moshe turns to discussing, okay, let's speak a little bit more about what exactly the level of obligation is here. Because one way to possibly upgrade the Isser is to move it from Minhag to Neder. And this is a type of a move that you sometimes find in Chassam Sofer. And this is something that reflects a general type of a tool or a strategy or framing of a sort of a much more stronger conservatism around adopted and accepted practices. You know, Chassam Sofer is known as saying, right? you can't do anything new. Okay, but how do you halakhically defend certain practices that you can't change them if they are only on a weak basis? And the Chassam Sofer will sometimes call say, well, it's minhag, and it's ultimately it's a neder, because if you do a good practice, that becomes like an implicit type of a neder, and so on, and that he sometimes even elevates that to be a do right to standing. So Rav Moshe here rejects that. He says, maybe it's like a minhag, and we'll see later, he talks about it as a type of an iser slash minhag and so on, but okay, a minhag is relatively weak, but how about the idea of it being a neder? So he rejects that completely, and he says, Oh, for three times you would do this, so it makes it, you know, if you did this practice three times, it makes it an implicit neder. He says, less or No, that's not a basis. So Rav Moshe says, look, a neder is when you are doing something above and beyond what is demanded, and you are doing it to make a sort of personal vow and obligation. You're seeing this as a personal practice you're accepting upon yourself. But here, because Shulchan Aruch says that people should do it, it's fascinating, even though it's volitional, but because you're told that you should do this midut chasidut, you do it because that's what the Shulchan Aruch said. You're not doing it as a way of accepting a type of a neder. Um, and therefore, it is a practice that is in line with Shulchan Aruch, and the Shulchan Aruch's demand is a more of a quasi-minhug, and it certainly does not get the weight of a neder. And now Rav Moshe turns to say exactly what he thinks the prohibition is. And he says, when it comes to walking for a moat, that's Amidus Chasidus, but as we've said, Amidus Chasidus that has become something of a minhug. He says, Kfar nagu kol Yisrael nahig Chasidus zeh. Even normal people, it's not just chasidim, it's not just super pious people. Everybody has adopted this midas chasidus. You don't walk for amot without your head covered. When it comes, however, to walking less than for amot, he says that's a real midas chasidus in the sense of people that want to adopt a, sp- a certain level of piety. So it be- will will not even walk less than for amot. So there's two levels, midas chasidus that has become universalized and that everybody does and has a minhag status to it, and a type of a chumra midas chasidus that is really for those that want to act extra pious. Now he turns to the position of the Taz. So right now we're basically at the level of a minhug, but then he turns to the Taz because the Taz says that wearing a kippah has nowadays become a biblical violation, or not wearing a kippah, of a violation of bichukotehem, of not going in the ways of Gentiles. Now listeners will remember 
that Bechukotayim is only a problem if the clothing is somehow distinctively non-Jewish, which means that it connects either to lack of modesty or that it has no explainable reason and therefore somehow there's a concern that it's connected to the world of idolatry. One could have said that uh, covering one head because it's about Midas Hasidus and showing that God is above a person, that uncovered head is a sign of immodesty, but that would be stretching things a little bit far um, just because it's not a sign of the fear of God that a keeper is supposed to represent. It doesn't mean that an uncovered head is immodest. So what Taz actually says is not that, but that non-Jews had a chok, had an arbitrary practice, presumably a pagan practice or rooted in something of another religion, to go with their head uncovered. Now, that doesn't seem right to us, and therefore it would seem that that's really what it's about, and therefore it would seem easy to dismiss the Taz. And another two vote, Rav Moshe does dismiss the Taz, but here he sides with him, and he even says that he doesn't understand the Muggin of Ram, who disagrees with the Taz. One, it's proper to say it's forbidden even to sit without a kippah on your head because of the ways of non-Jews, like the Taz. And then he says, Magidavram seems to disagree, but it's not clear why he would disagree. But then Rav Moshe proceeds to lay out reasons why he would disagree. First of all, non-Jews actually do cover their head in the street. At least that's what he says in this tshuva. And the practice actually would just be to not cover their heads when they sat down to eat. So maybe that would only be the thing that would be a b'chukoteim, which would be pretty ironic since uh, sitting normally is understood to be less of a problem, sitting with your head uncovered. And then he actually concedes that for the non-Jews, probably the real b'chukoteim in the sense of a chok and something rooted in religious practice was removing the hat before praying. And therefore, maybe really only praying and davening without one's head covered would be a b'chukoteim problem. And that the Taz's position really was just that since that started as a chok, they extended it to removing their hat elsewhere, and ultimately it all rooted back to this type of a religious practice. So interestingly, by starting by saying, I really don't understand the Magin of Ram, he really sort of already shows why the Taz's position, and to assume that there's a general type of a non-Jewish practice of once wearing one's head uncovered under most circumstances, uh, really has a lot to be questioned. Nevertheless, he ends by saying, it's not so clear to me the Magin of Ram's position. One should be strict like the Taz and assuming that wearing a kippah is a problem, not wearing a kippah, is a problem of b'chukotehem. So at least in this early tshuva, he indicates that there could really be not only minic problems, but weighty problems with not wearing a kippah, but he also shows a lot of reasons to question it. So we now turn to other tshuvot, where he really seriously questions the Taz, or at least says that in our day and in our reality in America and so on, um, the Taz would not apply because this would not be a chok of non-Jews to have one's head uncovered. So let's take a look at those two vote. So we turn now to Choshen Mishpat 193. Um, and Choshen Mishpat is really monetary laws, and this is indirectly in another tshuva that is something more monetary, and to some degree this is monetary as well, because it has to do with the question of can one take off a kippah if one needs to for the sake of work. So again, this is Choshen Mishpat 193, written sometime in the 1960s. And he writes as follows, can a person take a job in a place where uh, it's required that one not wear a yarmulke, not wear a kippah? It says, Pashut, it is obvious, Shemutar, that it's permissible. 
you do not, for this practice of wearing the kippah, you don't have to actually lose money. Um, it's not such a weighty practice that it would ask you to sacrifice money for the sake of wearing a kippah. And where do we know this? First of all, as we've seen in the other tshuva, bracketing b'chukotehem, it's not even a rabbinic issue. It's just a nice minhag. And again, not that sort of weighty minhag, a nice minhag to do this midas chasidus. And it's no weighty where they're not doing a positive mitzvah. And we know that if it's going to come to a great loss of money, a person can even not do a positive mitzvah. So certainly here. And now Rav Moshe makes a statement that he makes in many places, which is being aware about how serious it is to uh, not have a job or to possibly lose one's jobs. Because one could say, you know, maybe you're not actually losing money, you're just not getting a job if you won't get hired. But Rav Moshe says basically, give me a break. He says, The fact that one will not be able to get a job, that's equivalent to a large loss of money. So number one, it shows a great sensitivity that Ramosha has to what it means uh, losing parnasa and, uh, you know, having to make financial sacrifices. And the other is, I think, also an awareness that in Rav Moshe's time, let's not forget that for the sake of work, some people even were Mechal Shabbos because they had no other choice or felt they had no other choice. So Rav Moshe here is certainly willing to be very understanding about a a much tinier sacrifice that is necessary for the sake of getting a job. Now, what about the position of the Taz that says that it is a doraita and a negative prohibition, and you can't do a negative prohibition even if a great loss of money is at stake? So here, if Moshe says, you know what, the Taz doesn't really apply. dino barur. Number one, it's not so clear that the Taz is right even in the Taz's context, that there's a Bechukotayim. Remember, before he said it wasn't so clear the Magan Avram, who disagreed with, right? Now he's saying the Taz is not so obvious. And anyway, it's really not relevant nowadays, he says, Ubimdina Zo, there's again the Bimdina Zo, He says, well, if people don't cover their hair, head, it's not because they're following some a practice of the non-Jews, particularly some religious practice, because most people are secular and obviously it's not rooted in any type of a religious practice, the fact that they're not covering their head in general. We'll see more about this later. But here he basically says the Taz is really not something to worry about. And clearly this is also grappling with realities about what it means to get a job. So it's a different type of a balance than we saw before when it dealt with like Eastern European clothing. There, you don't have to dress in a way that completely sets you apart. Of course, a kippah is something that subtly sets you apart and marks you as Jewish. And here Rav Moshe says it is important to do. He initially tries to give it the weight, a possible weight of a doraita. At the end of the day, it's clear he holds that this is really a minhag. And because it's a minhag, even though it's important and it's your default, as opposed to like the Eastern European clothing, this marker is an important marker. It's also something that can be sacrificed if necessary um, for the sake of work. And because it is actually an important practice, Rav Moshe says, as soon as it's not necessary for work, like if you, as soon as you step outside the office building, for example, you would be required to put it back on. Koshkeni writes, when you go out to the marketplace, it's forbidden to keep it off, even if people will mock you. So here, very importantly, you should not take off your kippah and be embarrassed that you're a Jew. You should be prepared that you'll walk on the street and maybe you'll get some nasty comments. That's not a good enough reason. Obviously, we're not talking about any possible physical danger. However, he says, when it comes to your job, that would be a good reason, an allowable reason to take off your kippah.
This position comes up in two other two vote, one which we'll read a little bit and the other which we'll just mention in passing. Um, in Orachayim 4.2 from 1974, he deals with the issue again. Can you go without a head covering for the sake of your job? And he says the scenario was that somebody had arranged for someone to be interviewed and was sort of using their influence to help get somebody a job. He says, when you're going for your job interview, the person who was serving as the middleman said, you know, it's really important not to wear a kippah for your job interview um, because then you'll never get hi- hired. You won't get hired. And the middleman, he'll be in trouble. What are you doing recommending for us to hire this guy, this crazy Orthodox Jew? This clearly reflects a time where it was very difficult in some places, maybe law firms, other types of scenarios for somebody who was obviously an Orthodox Jew to be hired. And then Rav Moshe says the circumstances are that once he's hired, it actually would be okay for him to wear the kippah, but he has to not wear it when he is going for the interview. Is that permissible? Um, he says, It looks seems that it's permissible. He says, again, this is really only a Midas Chasidus. It's a type of an act of piety that everyone is expected to practice. And then he says, and you know what? It's possible even saying God's name without a kippah covering, according to some poskim. And and even though it's widespread and a universal practice, nevertheless, it's a minhag. But if it's a minhag, same point. Since it's a minhag, it's certainly no weightier than a mitzvah to say, and therefore a person can give it up for the sake of serious monetary loss. Certainly, and not getting a job is obviously considerable to a large hafset. Essentially, the exact same point. And then he now here just a little bit more explores why the Taz isn't relevant. Now, the Taz's position that it's a chukotehem, he says that ideally one should be strict like the Taz, um, and he references his earlier two of an Moshe. He says, In this place you can rely on the Magen of Ram, who disagrees with the Taz, and why? It's clear that people don't cover their heads has nothing to do with a specific type of a chok, of a, of, a, of a religious practice. It's just it's easier to walk around without your head covered. And he says the evidence is that from Jews who usually in the past would wear hats, nowadays they walk outside without their hats. And when it's cold, they wear their hats, but they take it off immediately when they get inside. And the same is true about non-Jews. If they wear their hats when they're cold, they'll take it off inside. They won't wear it when it's not cold. And all of this shows that the choice to not wear a head covering is not about a chok, but just because people would rather not wear a head covering when it's not necessary. And therefore, when if there's no need for warmth to cover your head, they sit with their head uncovered. It's not coming from some type of a pagan practice, a chok practice. It's just a convenience. And therefore, he says, 
Therefore, the Taz's position is not relevant. There's no chok akum in terms of this. It's only this minhag, and one can be lenient when necessary. And he essentially says the same in Yerdea 4.11 from 1981. And he adds there that even if the non-Jewish employer's desire is specifically to hide the fact that one is Jewish, or he alludes to that, at the end of the day, it is not a problem of b'chukotehem, it's a minhag, and therefore one does not need to be makbid on this and careful about this when it comes to securing a parnasa. Now, all of this is well and good, but the what Rav Moshe leaves out from all, any of these discussions is the idea about put b'chukotehem aside. Maybe there should be a problem about trying to hide one's Jewish identity. This is actually an issue that comes up in the Rishonim in Iran, who discusses this question and makes it even much higher stakes, like a type of a Yeharig Val Yavor, the same way one cannot give up one's God. Maybe one can't say things and act in a way that tries to hide the fact that one is Jewish. And Rav Moshe very uh, intentionally, it seems, does not bring any of this discourse in. Maybe he felt that one wasn't actually denying one's Jewish identity. It would be okay to know that one was a Jew, just wasn't putting it in people's face, you know, an obvious visual sign. But nevertheless, here too, Rav Moshe is willing to take something which is a strong sign of Jewish identity. In some communities, it would be unconscionable to ever not wear a kippah. It would be like a statement of stripping one's Jewish identity away from oneself, whether that was framed in halachic terms um, or in just sort of deep, deep religious ethos. And nevertheless, Rav Moshe says, look, bottom line, as a matter of halacha, it's a minag of midas chasidus, and therefore we should not give it more weight we have to approach this in a sober halachic perspective and I think also very sensitive and responsive to the realities of the broader outside society in America, the types of sacrifices Jews had made for a job, and what are those sacrifices um, that are actually worth making as opposed to the sacrifices like keeping Shabbos, which are not worth making. Thanks for listening to Igris Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dov Linzer. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Shivat Chovevei Torah. Don't forget to subscribe and check out ycTorah.org to learn more.